selecting a vice chair is going to be very easy. Makes you feel important, doesn't it? <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to this meeting of the City of Sacramento uh, Water Committee, March 26, 2019. Clerk, will you call roll, please? Member Ashby. Member Guerra. Here. Chair Harris. Present. We do have a quorum for the March 26th Water Committee. Thank you very much. Will you join me in the pledge, please? Salute. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Well, thank you very much. Um, our first item is consent, and I would entertain a motion. I'll move consent. And I'll second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Great, so we have a schedule for the rest of the year. We'll have three more meetings. Um, June, September, and June, September, and, and when else? November, October? Do you recall? I think just the two. Okay. Very good. Uh, our discussion calendar, the first item is nomination of a vice chair for the Water Committee, and I would like to use my privilege to nominate our vice mayor for vice chair. I would like to accept that nomination. <laughs> Very good. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. So moved. Uh, our next item will be, we're going to uh, reorder our consent, or uh, not our consent, but our agenda order. We're going to start with um, item number five, please. So that would be the water supply overview and potential need for additional water supply, and I believe Mr. Ewart. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Water Committee. Uh, my name is uh, Brett Ewart, Senior Engineer with the Department of Utilities. So the goal today is really to give you a, a high-level briefing on our latest thinking about when new surface water supply or just new water treatment capacity will be needed for the, the City of Sacramento. Uh, I also wanted to touch on a couple of additional programs or projects that we're working on that would be related to that question of new supply for the city residents. So you, you may recall the last time this committee met was in November of 2018. Uh, one of the items there was we had a, a conversation about uh, what we called a conjunctive use program, and where we talked about the need to invest in both groundwater facilities and surface water facilities. Uh, groundwater for the drier periods and surface water for the wet, when you also want to recharge your groundwater wells or your groundwater aquifer. So mostly during that uh, committee we, uh, presentation, we focused on groundwater, but today we wanted to spend a little more time on surface water. Uh, during that last November Water Committee meeting, we had uh, let this committee know that you know, right now the projection we're looking at is about 15 years until we think uh, new supply needs to be available to, for, for growth or to allow those groundwater wells to, to rest and recharge the aquifer. And, and, and to, make that, to make that work, to meet that schedule, we're looking at needing to start some of the surface water planning 
and the, you know, working on the development impact fees now, updating those uh, to be able to fund such a program. So this is just a reminder slide. This is right out of the general plan. Uh, it's a policy-driven uh, work that we're doing. Uh, namely, staff, make sure that you're planning and securing funding for a water supply for the growth of the city and its existing residents. A couple of the issues that I just really wanted to highlight today throughout the presentation. Uh, first, you know, the when and the why of the new supply. Uh, we already articulated when, about 15 years. Uh, but wanted to discuss some of the drivers behind that, that statement about 15 years. Uh, also wanted to briefly address how long it might take to do that. Uh, some of the other issues we're concerned about is also water quality. It's not just quantity. It's the quality of the water, too, that we're both taking from the rivers, treating, and then conveying to our residents. But mostly on the last point, I, I think, in this presentation today is, is internally our goal is to strike a balance between the growth we're seeing within the city limits as we're looking at our new general plan, but also water use efficiency, which has really extended the existing capacity. So we want to be careful, and we want to strike that balance. We don't want to build too much too soon, <clears throat> as opposed to, but we also don't want to be without sufficient capacity with those general plan projections for new population growth. So, uh, this committee's probably seen uh, something similar to this in the past uh, during our last urban water management plan. I know we, we put this same sort of illustration up. Uh, this is the gallons per capita per day uh, as measured uh, throughout the city. And what you see in that general trend is certainly by the year of, say, 2000, in general, a pretty precipitous decline in how folks are using water throughout the city. We've never been more efficient. Uh, it bottomed out in about 2014 during the drought. You've seen a slight increase, a slight rebound. It's hard to call a rebound, though, based on 2000 and 1990s. Uh, what I take from this is a lot of the water efficiency programs we're continuing to fund and advocate for seem to be holding at this point in time. And, and that's a good news story for both preserving our resources, but also extending capacity and buying us more time. That said, though, the city is growing. Uh, right now, a population of about 500,000 people. Uh, but out to the 2035 general plan, we could be looking at as many as 640,000 people within the city and other jobs that are supporting those, those residents. So the, the intersection of those, you know, the, 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 the growth driving the demand for water, but the extension of our existing capacity, we're looking at those, uh, uh, those drivers pushing the demand for water uh, by the year, say, 2030, between 2035 and 20, 2030, excuse me, uh, for when we would eclipse our existing supply. So I, I wanted to address quickly where we might build this capacity. Uh, first, I draw your attention to the Fairbairn Water Treatment Plant. Uh, it's located over by the State College near Power Inn Road. Uh, it's our 1964 facility. Uh, currently, it's permitted to to divert and treat up to 160 million gallons a day. But there are a series of rules in the river that really limit that facility. When the river levels are low, and this is about 50% of the time, uh, during the middle of summer, we would be limited to about 100 million gallons of water a day to divert and then treat. At this point, staff is not looking to invest you know, the ratepayers' dollars or future impact fee dollars at this location to increase capacity given those regulations and rules on the river. 
so there's two locations right now that staff that we're looking at to to expand capacity the first is what we're calling river arc uh, the city is a member of a consortium or a group uh, we entered into an mou with uh, california water california american water pcwa and sac county water agency this would provide for a joint water treatment plant project north of the city limits up near the airport at at this stage that project um, it certainly looks to be a little more expensive for the city at this present time. But with, with so many players, uh, the collaboration uh, with PCWA and Sac County Water Agency, and also the nexus to those users and their need to tap into water on the American River through Folsom, also brings into play the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation. And so there is the potential for leveraging this pro project with collaboration uh, for outside funding, which could make it more attractive for the city. It probably also doesn't provide the, the overall capacity that the city residents would look to need for the, the full needs and growth of the city residents. But again, if, if the funding opportunities um, uh, work out in our favor, this could, be, this could potentially be a great project for the city. But we're also looking at our Sac River water treatment plant. Uh, this was recently rehabilitated. Um, you know, just as recently as 2016, to reliably treat 160 million gallons of water a day. But when we designed this facility, we also designed it with expansion in mind. Uh, the, the facilities have been laid out such that we could actually probably bring it up another 150 million gallons of water a day. So this slide, we won't go through every row, certainly, on, on this particular slide. The question is, you know, when do we start? And the answer is now. Um, if, if we believe that the water supply will need to be available within about 15 years, well, it also takes about 10 to 15 years to bring this supply uh, online. But we also, going back to that original slide of talking about balance, we want to be careful about how much we, we um, commit to at this point in time. Right now, staff have been working with a consulting team to develop a, a phase one package which is limited to looking at some of the conceptual design, some of the permitting and CEQA issues up front. Those are really some of the long lead items. Uh, the question about when construction would actually start, we think that can be deferred for now based on how we might refi refine our demand forecasts. So I, I call your attention to a, a couple of intakes here. And the reason I, I put this illustration up here is, you know, if we go back, you see that long lead time on permitting. A lot of that really comes down to these intakes. We should be clear, you know, new structures in the river will come with many questions. You know, the, the permitting issues around these um, cannot be overstated. And what you see here is our Sac River uh, intake on the lower left. Uh, on the upper right, just as an example, that would be the Davis Woodland uh, intake, just as an example. So whether we upgrade uh, or modify our existing intake or perhaps construct a new intake, um, either of those will take significant time. <clears throat> so I wanted to sort of move off onto some of the other projects right now that we're looking at. Uh, we're aware there are some questions about the water master plan that was awarded in February of uh, 2018, so just last month. <clears throat> That's a, a planning level document. We update that generally every five years. Uh, the purpose of that is to align our 
our water planning program and our capital program with any new regulations or policies or goals or any updates in the general plan. The one piece of it I wanted to focus this group on, or I, I think is a, should be of interest to this group, uh, is that's really the vehicle where we update our water demand forecasts. And I just wanted to call your attention. So this is a, a fairly, uh, I think this is a parcel within the, uh, the city of Sacramento. This is going to be for you know, illustrative purposes here. The state is moving towards a program where they look at aerial imagery and try to establish water budgets on either a service area basis or maybe all the way down to um, a water budget for a particular parcel. So we want to be ahead of that game. We want to participate with, this, with the state of California, and we also want to do it on our own now, and we're doing it in our water master plan. So as part of that effort, we're going to use aerial imagery for the city of Sacramento. And on both you know, a parcel-by-parcel parcel basis and also on a, on a service area basis, identify the portions of the city that are either irrigated or, or can be irrigated and identify what is a reasonable use of water for those landscape areas. And then on top of you know, indoor use and commercial use, we can get a better idea of what is a reasonable, efficient use of water for the city of Sacramento. There are a couple of additional efforts uh, that are ongoing, too. Um, our staff and our water conservation program are getting ready to update our water conservation master plan. That was last done in 2013, I believe. Uh, this is a vehicle where we're going to look at our strategies and our programs to meet those water efficiency targets. And this is the sort of program that gets pushed down to our, our residents and, and businesses. We're expecting contract development through mid-2019, and the work I think will probably take about a year and a half to two years. Uh, we're actively uh, working on updating our development impact fees. Um, right now, the programs or the projects that I was just describing, those are not inexpensive projects. Um, these could be to the tune of you know, $500 million for the first phase. Um, and right now, our development program <clears throat> does not collect sufficient fees uh, to, to fund those sorts of projects. So uh, we are, we're in the process of updating those fees now. You know, what might that look like for a new business or a new resident coming into the city. Um, we expect that to take about another year, and there'll be some outreach to the develop, development community as well as uh, working with CDD. Brad, a quick question. Uh, when we did our renovation of the SAC water treatment plant just a couple of years ago, what was the capacity previous to the upgrade, and how much did it cost, and what was our capacity after the upgrade? So I'm going to... Bill, I'll, I'll turn to you in just a moment. I, I believe it was about $170 million to rehabilitate the facility. Mm -hmm. um, the permitted, the intake that was designed to feed that plant was 160 million gallons of water a day. Because of the aging infrastructure of that facility, the actual ability to treat the water was closer to 130. So while we didn't increase the overall designed capacity, uh, you know, we were able to remove roadblocks and allow it to work to its full potential. And I'll just pause there. If anyone, I know I have, we have Dan Sherry here, our engineering manager, as, as well as our, our director. No, I'll just agree. It basically was, it's firm capacity that we developed there. 
Um, because of the aging infrastructure, we did not have firm capacity of, at 160 MGD. And after the rehab, we, we now have that. Uh, so then the next question is on the water intake. Could you actually expand or rehab the intake, the, the facility we have now, up to another 150 million gallons if we could get permitted to, to use that much? We're, we're looking at that as, as part of the overall planning effort. There are challenges, though. Um, that particular facility, there are, there's a velocity criteria governing those screens. <clears throat> That's intended to protect the aquatic species in the river. Right. Uh, one of the questions we have for the resource agencies um, is, is that the right velocity criteria given the location of that facility? Um, if we could actually expand the velocity or increase the velocity through those screens, that could help negate or significantly delay a new intake. There would still be significant construction, though, at the existing intake. Um, if, if the velocity criteria were held and we had to expand it, um, it comes down to constructability. How do you have an operating water treatment plant while getting in and monkeying around with the intake? That could prove very difficult and perhaps the same cost as a, a second intake. So last question then. When we rehab the plant in 2016, is the actual treatment capacity greater than 160 MGD? Or it would take another substantial rehab to expand that capacity for treatment as well? It would take new infrastructure in order to increase the treatment capacity at that facility. Um, one, of the, one of the governing uh, criteria is, is really our, our permit through DDW. And with that permit, they're looking at the turbidity across those basins. If we were to go too fast, then we risk not being able to meet those water sta those standards. Mm -hmm. Now, we have been testing those filters to see if there's room to do that, but we don't believe there's sufficient capacity at the volumes we're talking about. Thank you. So this is the last slide um, I have for you today. Um, these are the items. We have four items that we think are actually getting mature enough that we anticipate bringing this before the full City Council. Uh, the first is uh, we're going to be recommending that City Council adopt the Integrated Water Management Plan. Um, so that is a, a, regional, a regional program through the, the Regional Water Authority. Uh, it provides a, a framework for our planning activities. It's not binding, but in order for individual agencies uh, to be eligible for certain grants that might come through the Integrated Regional Water Management Plan, we would need to adopt that as well. That'll be coming to City Council on April 2nd. Uh, we've been talking about the surface water expansion planning, phase one, <clears throat> for conceptual design in CEQA. We're actually working on some of the contract documents now. We're anticipating bringing that to the overall City Council middle of May. That's approximately a $3.5 million contract, we think. Closer to June or perhaps July, but before the next uh, Water Committee meeting, uh, there's two other uh, cost-sharing programs with the Regional Water Authority. One is the technical studies for a regional water bank uh, to be recognized by the federal government. Uh, be, uh, that will eventually lead to some CEQA uh, documentation for that program. Uh, and then as well as um, the, uh, the aquifer storage and recovery program that we talked a little bit about at the last Water Committee meeting, whereby certain wells 
could be equipped to inject water into the ground, um, RWA has a program to look regionally, where might that make sense? And so we think cost sharing as part of that is to the benefit of the city. That concludes the presentation. Very good. Um, you know, considering this is a pretty wet year, in fact, a very wet year, yes. are we looking at any uh, water transfers potentially this year? The early indications I hear right now is that uh, we would not be looking at there's a lot of water in the system right now. Um, over time, uh, the state of California usually updates its forecasts to folks, say, in the Delta that might need this water. Um, I don't, at this point, know specifically if there will be a water transfer program, but ostensibly, I, I think it's unlikely. Um, that said, I, there is some interest regionally of allowing certain groundwater wells to recharge and maybe looking to folks who can supply surface water to supply that surface water to the groundwater agencies and allow the wells to recharge that they exercise during last year's transfer program. Yeah, actually, a pretty interesting program by SAFCA mm -hmm. to take water from upstream reservoirs and recharge groundwater, um, you know, placing it on vineyards, you know, off-season and recharging groundwater. So we're moving in the right direction. Of course, the regional groundwater bank is a very intriguing idea that will affect all our overall portfolio, substantially, I think. Vice Mayor, any questions? Uh, yeah, so I guess one would be, uh, right now, obviously, the River Arc, you're saying, uh, is a little costly for the city. What would be the determinant factor where the city would say, you know, this, this doesn't work for us at this point, and then have to go at it alone? Sure, well. So, as, as Brett mentioned, one of the key factors in whether that is going to be a viable project or not is some kind of state or federal funding mm -hmm. for the project. If that is going to happen, uh, we probably will know about that in the next year or two. Um, if short of that, you know, federal or state funding, it's, it's not very economically feasible for, you know, for the partners that, uh, that, that are in that project. Um, any disagreement with that? It's okay. Okay. And then I think probably the only uh, uh, the only thing that I wanted to highlight was it uh, that that map. If you could go back up to the chart on the water usage um, early on. I think that that one particularly. Uh, shows uh, some positive things. One, that I think more and more residents are, uh, citizens and ratepayers are, are all looking at water conservation mm -hmm. for the long haul. Uh, and did I hear correctly that you said that um, that you can, because the, the request for using some of our landscape modification programs is still, we're still seeing a high demand for that, did I say that you guys can use that information to basically correlate that there is a mood in changing of, 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 of opinions about water usage? You know, I was inferring that from seeing that now that it's been a wet couple of years, um, you haven't seen the gallons per capita per day. If we're measuring water efficiency in that way. There could perhaps be other ways. Uh, you haven't seen it rebound pre-drought. Um, when we talk about the 
the landscape budgets. Um, our goal is to to be able to answer, you know, in a defendable, reasonable way, what is an efficient use of water? You know, the state is thinking of a credit program or where they would say, look, we think a certain amount for indoor use is about right. Let's set that aside. Uh, we will we'll acknowledge your commercial use of water. Let's set that aside. But how are you using or how are you irrigating your living landscape? Mm-hmm. It's a very good question. And I think we can learn a lot by using this, what they're calling remote sensing process. You know, looking at what were evapotranspiration rates. I mean, how much does actual vegetation need over what area? And I'll just add one minor point, and that is what we're dealing with here is trying to determine for a planning number, you know, what, where's our, our GPCD going gonna, gonna to end up? And that will allow us to final our plan for when we're going to, you know, that's one of the two inputs, that and growth, in when we're going to need additional treatment capacity. Um, that what he was talking about, these water budgets, is going to be able to, is going to inform uh, that number. Because that's what the state is going to be driving us towards. You know, is that going to be 170 GPC, uh, GPCD? Is it going to be 190? Right now we're, we're under 170. So that will help us determine, or at least our, our best guess of, of where we're going to kind of uh, even out as far as our, uh, our GPCD. And that will help us in our water planning. Very good. Well, thank you. I think the vice mayor is correct that our education campaign is working, and to a certain extent, the, you know, the smart uh, water controllers are very helpful, and our turf removal programs. All of those add up, but I would say that our constituency is much more aware of water usage. And, of course, once we're fully metered, we'll know exactly what everybody's using. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so that gives us a tool that we've never had before, and I, we are placing ourselves in a good advantage place, you know, in terms of complying with whatever state regs may come down the pike. Thanks for a great presentation, Brett. Appreciate it. Next item will go to number three, water rights and water supply regulatory processes, and this would be Mr. Pfeiffer. Good afternoon, Chair Harris and Member Guerra. Uh, I'm here to present on uh, water supply processes and the regulatory environment for uh, for the Delta. Get started in just a second. I'm doing it this. So a major uh, uh, element which is going on right now is the Bay Delta Water Quality Control Plan update. The State Water Resources Control Board is obligated to do this every few years. They need to update the uh, beneficial uses and protect those beneficial uses of of the water body. Um, um, At the same time that they're doing this, there's been uh, an observation that uh, fish populations are crashing. uh, and uh, there needs to be something done about it. There's a, a major effort in this update by the Water Board staff to try to correct that. Um, in terms of where they are in the process, they've broken down the water quality control plan into two elements. There is a San Joaquin River element and a Sacramento River and Delta element. 
most of our water supply, uh, actually all of it comes from the Sacramento River watershed, so we're in that latter part. The Water Board has uh, uh, adopted what's called a substitute environmental document for the San Joaquin River. They were planning on doing that for the Sacramento River. They did it for the San Joaquin last year. The major update for this includes uh, uh, this idea of unimpaired inflow where they release a good chunk of the water that falls in the rim dams or the rim reservoirs to the tune of about 45 to 65 percent. So you can think of a gallon of water that is behind Folsom Reservoir, 45 to 65 percent would be released fairly, fairly quickly after that. Um, that actually is a very controversial idea. It uh, uh, reduces the amount of water available for water users in the state. Uh, the reason why uh, the Water Board is going with that is, is they believe that an unimpaired inflow is helpful for fish, but they also only have one knob to turn, and that is water. Um, uh, they've invited uh, alternative uh, proposals for the Water Quality Control Plan, and I'll be getting to that in just a second. So what are the impacts to the city, to the region, and the state? Um, uh, with the Water Quality Control Plan, uh, it does impact the city of Sacramento, or could potentially impact the city of Sacramento and the American River region a little bit. Uh, for the most part, uh, the, the river is within that 45 to 65 percent unimpaired inflow range, but not always. Uh, it's, it's pretty impactful to the state in general, and particularly to Southern California water users and water users in the San Joaquin Valley, potentially uh, water users of the Sac main stem, Sacramento main stem, uh, and, and impactful to agricultural regions. Um, so there's a, a lot of interest in finding an alternative to the water quality control plan proposal by the state water board. Um, and that is called the voluntary agreement. A voluntary agreement would bring in something different. It might be a combination of flow and habitat. So uh, under that proposal, you would be building habitat for fish. Um, and, and that would be more valuable. And again, that's not something that the Water Board can mandate, but water users can band together and provide that as an alternative. So the voluntary agreement, which is being proposed, uh, uh, would be for a period of time, and I'll be talking about where the region and, and where the city of Sacramento fits into that in just a minute. Uh, uh, in general, it would provide some, some outflow. It would be for a 15-year term. Um, uh, there would be uh, uh, elements to that, like uh, uh, if there's a chunk of water being generated by water users uh, for the purposes of delta outflow, particularly in the spring, when it might be most helpful to fish, how is that governed and how is that called upon? Um, uh, there, are, The water users, uh, along with some of the state agencies, are meeting and talking about that, uh, and environmental NGOs, and trying to come up with a solution for that. They're also trying to uh, find a way to develop the science a little bit more to answer questions like how much flow really is necessary for the delta, how much outflow should it be, um, it's not quite clear where the voluntary agreement fits within the water quality control plan, and that will be left for another day. Is it in lieu of the water quality control plan, or is it um, what's like to be said as the program of implement implementation for the water quality control plan? Um, Okay, so the American River VA, this is our part of it. Um, there's a lot of information on this slide. Uh, it's a little dense, but, but let me take a step back. 
what the state is interested in, in, in providing and the water users, and when I say water users, south of Delta water users, north of Delta water users, is about 750,000 acre-feet of water to flush out the Delta, uh, primarily in the spring. Um, 750,000 acre-feet, the American River uh, agencies that are participating in this effort, and there are several of them, they're the major uh, surface water agencies, including the County of Sacramento, uh, the various water districts, City of Folsom and Roseville, they're banding together to, to put in 40,000 acre-feet of flow. Some of that is going to be used, some of that is going to be made available through the, our existing groundwater wells. Some of that would be uh, made available with new groundwater facilities, and some of that would be made available through reoperating reservoirs farther up in the watershed, SMUD, El Dorado Irrigation District, and Placer County Water Agency would be part of that. Um, the state is proposing to pay for that, and I'll get, I'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, there is habitat which is going to be made available on the lower American River. Uh, we currently build habitat for fisheries uh, through the Water Forum. Uh, the city of Sacramento pays a portion of that along with the county of Sacramento. Uh, under this proposal, it gets expanded, and over the next 15 years, we'll be building about 50 acres of spawning habitat and 150 acres of rearing habitat for salmonids. Uh, the funding would come from a number of different sources. There was Prop 68, which was passed last year. Uh, that provides some of the funding, but also there is a funding mechanism where the city of Sacramento would pay into a science and habitat fund for about $2 an acre foot, That'd be about $200,000 a year because we divert roughly 100,000 acre feet a year for the city of Sacramento into a fund, and some of that would come back to us to help pay for some of that habitat and some of that water. Uh, uh, so um, I should back up a step for the water. It's, it's 40,000 acre feet from the American River. The water agencies within the American River are still trying to figure out how to apportion that amongst themselves. For the city of Sacramento, we might offer up, say, 2,000 or 3,000 or maybe 5,000 acre feet of, of groundwater with our existing groundwater facilities. That's an unsettled question, and the water agencies are meeting to discuss that. Okay, benefits. Uh, so namely, additional fish habitat. I think there's been a number of studies that have identified the need for that, uh, more spawning habitat for a healthy fishery. Uh, other benefits include uh, improved water supply reliability, particularly if we're receiving funding to build new groundwater wells. That would be really nice. Uh, potentially cooler river temperatures for salmonids. Part of the agreement would be to close upon a uh, an item which the region has been working on for about 15 years or potentially longer, and that's the modified flow management standard. That would be part of the agreement. Uh, we would be working with Reclamation to complete that and find an operation that works for them and us, and, and it's an operation of Folsom Reservoir. Uh, cooler river temperatures. So city role in this. Um, there's going to be a couple... Uh, council items uh, or items coming to council in the future. Uh, there is going to be a CEQA document, which I think the city council is going to have to consider. And also uh, an agreement 
uh, our part of the agreement, which we would need to adopt uh, uh, with the California Natural Resources Agency and the other water users in this effort for the voluntary agreement. Uh, the water form is a section inside the city, so there's going to be some long-term work with those folks. Uh, uh, right now, they uh, build the habitat in the Lower American River. Uh, if we're thinking of increasing that, that level of construction, there's going to be more work and more contracts let out by the city through the water form. Uh, schedule. So uh, we came up with principles and concept last December. They were uh, uh, wrapped up into a larger voluntary agreement, which the directors of Fish and Wildlife and the Department of Water Resources presented to the State Water Resources Control Board. Um, on March 1st, there was a project description which was suitable for a CEQA document or the start of a CEQA document, which embedded a lot of those, those deal points. Um, uh, more work that needs to go on. There needs to be an evaluation of that CEQA document. Uh, uh, also, to come to closure on the governance and science structure, uh, December 1st is going to be around the time where the voluntary agreements are submitted to the State Water Resources Control Board. So it looks like in the latter part of this year, the city will, city council will consider that item. Um, uh, at the end of the year, the State Water Resources will issue a draft environmental document uh, that uh, uh, will have analyzed the voluntary agreement. Um, I'm going to Is that the document that would come to city council? Um, I believe so. Mike? Mike Voss with the city attorney's office. Yes, so that would need the council approval for the city to formally adopt and approve that agreement. And then just one more question here in the middle. With the voluntary agreements, you know, and, and using the water for delta outflow, does this in any way affect our water rights in terms of our intake for our own needs in the city? I don't, um, I don't think it does. I think it actually puts us in a place where it preserves our water rights. So we will still um, be able to divert what we need from our entitlements. Um, and I don't think that the voluntary agreement will affect that. And even with expanded capacity moving forward 15 years? Yes. Good. Can I just add to that? And the, the point that Jim's making is, is that with this modified flow management standard mm -hmm. that is a part of the voluntary agreement, that's what keeps this voluntary agreement from having negative impacts on us as far as our water supply and water, re water reliability. So that's a, that's a very key component of this and if, and if we can't get that modified flow management standard or something similar to it as part of the voluntary agreement then that's going to make it challenging for us to you know to buy on to buy into it but we're optimistic looks like things are moving in a in a positive direction switching gears uh water fix that's the twin tunnel project under the delta to convey water north of the delta to south of it for uh san joaquin valley farms and um south of uh, Southern California water users, namely Metropolitan Water District. Um, there was a, uh, a water rights pro, pro well, there was a water rights change for uh, reclamation in the Department of Water Resources. We filed protest against that. Uh, this uh, was a couple years in the making in terms of providing testimony and witnesses. We engaged in that quite a bit. That testimony ended in, in 2018. Uh, the permit for the tunnels has not been issued. 
Um, and uh, I think you might have seen in the newspapers that the governor has come out since uh, uh, the last governor left office and said there's going to be one tunnel. And um, I would say the state is trying to figure out what that means. Uh, so uh, more to come on this. Uh, with the sequel litigation it for... It means half as many tunnels. <laughs> <laughs> it is that clear. Um, with the sequel litigation, I'm going to turn this over to Mr. Boss. Thank you, Mr. Pfeiffer. Mm. Chair, Vice Chair. Um, so the city, just to refresh your memory, um, filed a CEQA challenge against the water fix project along with a lot of other American River agencies um, several years ago. It's been a, a very, very large administrative record, and the case was coordinated, so there's, there's dozens of agencies in the case right now. So as the state now tries to figure out what it means to go from two tunnels to one tunnel, the parties to the litigation have all gotten together and decided to stay the case. So it has stayed um, until May 2nd while um, the parties try to figure out if this means that the end of this and then there's going to have to be a new document prepared or um, if, if DWR is going to be able to salvage the document. So right now there's, there's nothing going on and the court's going to re-examine that on May 2nd. Good to know. Um, Real quick, a note about uh, uh, some of the work that we're doing for the, uh, for the city that relates to our, um, relates with reclamation and uh, appropriations. We are filing uh, a request for an appropriation with uh, a number of offices, including uh, Congresswoman Matsui's office, to see if we can obtain some funding for the combined system and also for some security needs. Uh, there is a resiliency study, which was mandated by federal law, which we would need to engage in, and we'd like to see if we can get some funding for that. Congress has uh, appropriated funding for that, and we are putting in for that. Um, that's all I have for my update. Um, any questions? Questions, Vice Mayor? No questions. No questions here. Maybe the one tunnel versus the two tunnel. Or are they combining the tunnels to be a bigger tunnel? <laughs> Merging. Um, Jim, you know, I just wanted to personally thank you for all your work on the voluntary agreements. I know you've been pushing for the modified flow management standard for, for years. And as Bill said, this is a pretty key component, certainly managing, you know, the flows out of, out of our reservoir are very important and uh, to our region in a lot of ways. So your work has been actually very essential, I think, to the well-being of the city of Sacramento. So I want to lodge you on the effort. I know how many hours you've put into it, and it's, it's a lot. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for the presentation. Okay, the next item of business would be item number four on the agenda, which is general plan policies for the Department of Utilities. Welcome. Thank you. Um, and good afternoon to the Water Committee. My name is Lauren Ledesma. I'm a program analyst with the Department of Utilities. Today we're going to be uh, just giving you a quick update on how we're handling the general plan goals and policies update. Just to give a quick recap, um, follow up to what we brought to the November meeting, uh, the Community Development Department did kick off the 2040 general plan update. We anticipate that they'll be asking us for policies in fall of 2019. So we've begun an intensive internal 
review of the policies in the utilities element as well as a few related policies in places like the environmental resources utility uh, element. And our plan is to keep the water committee um, in the loop and ask for their feedback through this process. I'd like to follow up with some of the questions and comments from the last meeting. We understand that there is a special interest in including policies that uh, relate to social justice and equity, environmental justice, environmental stewardship, customer service, and state and federal advocacy in relation to purple pipe, uh, purple piping. As far as the social justice and equity environmental justice portions, CED is actually um, doing a lot of work on that currently. I know especially with environmental justice with the 2017 state general plan guidelines. So we will make sure that we coordinate closely with them and listen to the community feedback that they are garnering during the community outreach events. Um, for environmental stewardship, we are closely relating the policies to the general plan to our current water conservation plan and sustainability plans. And for advocacy, we think that it's best to continue to utilize the legislative platform that the city has, but we will be touching on recycled water um, policies specifically. So in updating the general plan, we've kind of looked at it as a three-pronged approach. First, we are going to be adding new policies. Um, obviously, in some of the topics that we've um, have been brought up by the Water Committee, and as well as a few others. Um, secondly, we're not removing or deleting policies per se, but we there are a few places where we can consolidate policies, or some of the details in those policies better belong in other plans or programs. And finally, we're just updating some of the existing policies. Some of the reasons for updating these policies may be new regulations. Uh, we believe some of the language could be cleaned up to be more consistent with other policies uh, that really focus on outcomes and not the details of the process. And we'd like to fix just a couple inconsistencies in our policies. So for the new policies, uh, as I mentioned, we will be touching on recycled water. We will be looking at sustainability and environmental justice. And those policies, the language is being developed. We have a few examples, but we are waiting for community feedback, and we're um, looking at CDD for their process to make sure that we're incorporating all of that into the new policies. A quick example of a possible new policy that deals um, with some of these issues, uh, this is impacts on disadvantaged communities. I won't read through it, but this is just a starting point. Um, the language could change with community input and CDD's input. Here's an example uh, we have of that second type of change. We have three existing policies here. If you were to read through them, you'd notice they all kind of hit on the same topic, which is river-friendly landscaping, water-efficient uh, landscaping. We'd like to consolidate these into one policy and keep the language very simple and overall focus on the outcome and move a lot of the details that are in these policies into the water conservation plan which um, we believe is a better home for it, and we can update on our own schedule. And finally, the third type of change uh, is just updating those existing policies, not removing, not adding them, 
Uh, and there's several reasons. The first one is new regulations. Brett kind of uh, mentioned this in his presentation. There's some new water conservation, water efficiency standards out there uh, relating to indoor versus outdoor water use. So we're gonna incorporate that language into some of our existing policies. Second, and I'll have a slide on this next, is we wanna clean up some of the language, make it more consistent with other policies in the general plan. We're gonna get rid of some of the details and uh, really focus on the outcomes of part of our policies. And finally, we'd like to fix just a couple inconsistencies. One example is we have one policy right now that mentions master planning and it just pertains to the drainage system. So we would like to have a policy that discusses the master planning that we're doing for the water and wastewater um, as well. We feel like that's the best option. Here's an example of us just kind of cleaning up the language. This is future water supply, and it's actually quite relevant to what Brett brought up, but you know that uh, this is an ongoing process and these discussions are continuing. We felt that um, having these details of examples of projects in the general plan um, wasn't really effective, and some of these have already kind of fallen off the list. Brett is continuously doing work to evaluate these. Um, so we'd like to just take those details out of the general plan. Finally, our next steps. We would like to come back in three months and give you some of our new policies based on some of the community feedback and CDD feedback that we get and um, just get your feedback on how you feel about those policies. And finally, in the fall, uh, when CDD is finishing up their 2040 general plan update, we'd like to bring you our final policies and, um, and have you review them and show you what we're finishing up with. And that's it. Any questions? Vice Mayor, anything? Do we have anything in um, in the water section of the general plan about outreach and community outreach? I believe there are. There's at least one policy when it comes to river-friendly landscaping. It talks to us about promoting it. Um, but I'll double check and make sure. Um, I think I think there's at least one that mentions outreach. I th you know, I, I think the department's been doing a much better job of doing outreach into uh, some of our disadvantaged communities and also communities that uh, um, are not only uh, English speaking. So I, I, I wanna make sure that if we're gonna have this document that's helping guiding our entire department and our vision that we're looking at expanding that, um, uh, that scope. And, and I think one of the points that we're making is yes, we'd be, we'd be open to that and that's something we can and will consider. We just wanna make sure that there's not a lot of, that it's, it's broad and that it drives us without um, re without a lot of details sure, about, not, about, not, you know, yes. about, uh, about how we get there. Yeah, I'm not yeah. asking that we all of a sudden list every language that's spoken in Sacramento, but yeah. you know, that list could be extremely long. Oh, yeah. that's good input. Uh, but it, that we have a guiding policy about you know, uh, how we ensure that our, when we're thinking about our water, water policy that we're, that we're expanding and reaching uh, probably the communities that aren't watching this hearing today. Thank you. Uh, I, I noticed that in your November um, comments as well. So I did reach out to my contact at CDD and I mentioned that was one of the feedbacks from this committee. Um, so we'll be working with CDD and that may be some kind of language that they include. See, Vice Mayor, you're changing the culture in the city of Sacramento. Right. <laughs> Only through your leadership, Mr. Chair. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Lauren, thank you very much for the presentation. I, I like the timeline, and I appreciate that you're coming to the Water Committee for both feedback and final, final discussions. It's great.
Thank you. Excellent work. Any other concluding remarks? I think that's it. Thank you. I just want to thank our staff for doing uh, this good work and, and keeping uh, bird dogging the, the changes that are happening uh, at the various both uh, legislative and regulatory regulatory state levels. And I I agree with that. I think our department is really outstanding overall. I think DOU really serves the city well. That being said, we are adjourned. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Nice, fast, efficient meeting. Yeah. Hi, Wendy. We got How 10 minutes before the next. Is that? You do. We're going to flip the signs and.